Y'all ready for the word, church? Anybody need this one? <laughs> yeah, I need all of it too, man. All of it. Well, we'll get right into it. Let's pray before we go into it. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is completely true. Thank you, Father, that you have brought people here for this appointed time. God, that would be set free this morning. God, thank you for going before them right now, opening their hearts, their minds, their ears. As he, he who has eyes to see, let him see, Father, this morning. God, thank you for blessing them. Thank you for setting them free as they walk out of here, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Uh, this is something that a lot of people struggle with, uh, something that uh, your pastors struggled with in the past. It's, it's, it's really a form of... Uh, deception when you believe that you have got to be the one to um, to save you I want to go ahead and tell you up front that uh, you are not your savior right you're just not your savior and a lot of times we try to do things chain things uh, like even this morning man I'm like I was just weak coming in here I'm just weak it's been a crazy last couple of days but as AJR says, you know, when I'm weak, what's wrong with that? Amen? Anybody know that one? Juna knows it. What's wrong with being weak? Is there anything wrong with being weak? No, no not in our flesh, because when we are weak, he is, he is strong. That's actually a positive thing, right? So that's kind of the thing we want to turn our thoughts towards, is that we got to get it off the worldly thinking and think it's okay to be weak sometimes, all the time, because when you're weak, he's strong. He gets the glory, you get a story. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's not me. I got somebody that says that all the time. It, I love it. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18. I want to show you a little story here. All right, so this is, uh, this is when the Lord appeared to Abraham. This is when Abraham, uh, God told him that they were going to have a baby. All right, so the Lord was actually on his way somewhere. Jesus was on his way somewhere, and uh, he stopped by uh, Moses' house. I mean, Abraham's house. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre. Mamre actually is in the animal kingdom in Orlando. As he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day, so he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. He knew who it was. He knew who it was. Sometimes you just know, spirit, right? You just know. When, when someone is standing in front of you, uh, when the spirit is right there, right? You just know right off the bat. So he knew. He saw him. Uh, he knew exactly who it was. We're going to drop down to verse 9. Uh, then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? <clears throat> so he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now they were old. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old. Well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Did you guys know there was an age of childbearing? Does anybody know what that age is? So what does this mean? Like this, the Lord was going to do something that didn't make sense to the world. Like the world couldn't figure it out. But how many, how many times have you heard a story where it didn't make sense to a doctor, but the Lord did something? Now that's what he's saying. He's like, I'm, I'm about to show you something, right? So, so uh, therefore, Sarah, she laughed. 
I don't want you to forget that. She heard that conversation. She's in there cooking, and she went. (laughs) (laughs) And you know why she laughed? What, did she laugh because she didn't really believe it? She laughed because in her mind, she had a picture saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Oh, don't forget, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah laugh? Like, like she laughed within herself, but the Lord knew it. And he's like, why she laugh, man? Abraham's like, <clears throat> like any other husband. I don't ask her. I don't know. I don't know. But Sarah denied it. Is that a form of lying? She said that. She denied it. He's like, why are you laughing? She denied it. I did not laugh. She just laughed. That's a bold-faced lie, right? For she was afraid. How many of you guys know when you're afraid, you'll do some stuff differently? You'll tell a lie, won't you? Y'all, y'all can testify to that. I mean, I don't know what that feels like, but I hear a lot of yeahs out there. <laughs> right? You were in high school when the cop said, hey, did you, uh, nope. But I know who did. <laughs> right? You start throwing your friends under the bus. <laughs> Uh, I remember. That's wisdom right there, people. You see the Lord just laid some wisdom on me. He's like, don't even go there. All right. Genesis 18. We're going to drop down to verse 22. So they were going and the Lord said, the Lord said that I should probably tell them. Remember I told you they were going somewhere and they stopped by there to encourage uh, Abraham and Sarah. They were going somewhere. They were going to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah and it wasn't going to be pretty. But they stopped to have lunch first, right? And, and, and Abraham, Abraham, he's like, shall I tell Abraham this? Um, and, and he did. He didn't want to hide it from him because he knew Abraham was going to be the father of many nations, right? Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He's like, are you going to? Now, the righteous here, he's talking about his lot. It's lot, his nephew. He's not talking about the whole bunch of, he's talking about Lot. Lot was also declared righteous. But we got two different types of Christians here, both of them righteous. One is living victoriously, one is not. One is living like he's defeated. Right? And so that, that's, the, that's a picture of the church today. We got a lot of people that are living like they are conquerors, more than conquerors, overcomers. And you got some like Lot who are operating in fear all the time. So, Mo Abraham was was about to bargain with God on behalf of Lot. So he's like, "Will you destroy the righteous along with the wicked?" Uh, suppose suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in there? That's pretty bold, wouldn't you say? I mean, for for Abraham to be talking to God like that, and so God's like, "Bro, who are you telling me what to do?" Right? Is that what he said? No. Look, he says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That's some bold stuff right there. 
right? In Italy, we'll say, hey, man, that guy's got some, he, 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 he's bold. <laughs> Can you imagine people standing around going, right? looking for that lightning bolt, right? right? So that's not a true thing, by the way. God doesn't send lightning bolts to strike you anymore. He put all that on the cross. All right. Uh, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. He's like, I'll do it. Yeah, sure. Right. So then, then Abraham answered and said, hmm, 50. What about, what about 45? Right. Indeed, now I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Why not just say 45? Because he was doing the math in his head, right? He's, he's bargaining with the Lord. Uh, would you destroy all the city uh, for lack of five? So he said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again. He said, suppose there, this is, you see the bargain? This, this is the art of bargaining right here. This is true. This is the first time, right? If he said, suppose there were 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it if they're for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. He's like, you know, God, don't be angry at me. But can I ask another question? I always picture Noah coming up going, mm, and he gets that little look on his face, and he's like, I have two more cookies? <laughs> he's so innocent when he says it, right? And you're like, nope. And then he runs off crying. All right. Uh, suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if you find 30. Uh, and he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. You guys know this story? And then he said, "Woo!" And then he said, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. That's where he stopped, right? That's where he stopped. He stopped at 10. I want you to know. That every time he asked a question, the Lord supplied. The Lord said yes. He answered it. He gave it to him. So it wasn't that God just stopped giving. It was Abraham stopped asking. Amen. You see that? That's good right there, yeah? It's, it's, it's kind of like when, when, uh, when Jesus fed the 5,000, when actually there were 15,000. And, and the Bible says they ate until they were full. Until they were full. It wasn't like God just gave them a little bit. They were full. And then there was some left over. That's how supplying our father is. Amen. Isn't it good to be there? Oh, so, so, the, uh, so after he stopped at 10, uh, so the Lord went his own way and, they, and finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. But, but the Lord was going to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So let me show you this in Galatians 4. Um, sim symbolic, right? We know in this church, but in a lot of churches, that, that there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that is symbolic of Jesus, right? Uh, this one, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times. Some of you might not know it, so I'll just do a quick refresh on it. Uh, this is Galatians 4. Uh, Paul says, tell me, you who desire to be under law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by the bond woman. Anybody know her name? Hagar. Uh, and the other by the free woman, Sarah, right? But he who was of the bond woman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise. So born according to the flesh means self-effort. 
Like they didn't trust the Lord, so they came up with their own way to do things. And, uh, you know, when, that, when you do it your way, sometimes it doesn't always turn out right. Most of the time. Before this, right? Because now we know that the Lord makes all things work together for our good. But here, the, the, the free woman was Sarah. He promised Sarah she would have a baby. Uh, which things are? Symbolic, right? So he's not really telling the story. He's telling the story, but they're symbolic about something. She had two sons. Uh, for these are the two covenants. The Old Testament is a covenant. The New Testament is co- The word testament literally means covenant, right? So the Old Testament is the covenant under the law. The New Testament is the covenant under grace. Jesus came to bring grace, right? Truth and grace came through. The law was given through Moses, truth and grace, Jesus. So Sarah represents grace, okay? Whereas Abraham represents faith. He was declared righteous because of his faith, right? Abraham, faith. Sarah, grace. Are you with me? All right. How do I know this symbolic? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai. What was given on Mount Sinai, church? How many of you guys see that verse now and you're like, why didn't I see that my whole life? That's a a form of being free. And don't ask why you didn't see it. Thank the Lord that you saw it. That's something Dwayne taught me, man. I was like, man, why didn't I get this when I was back? All right, what, what does the law do? It gives birth to? bondage which is hagar sarah is grace hagar is bondage you see the symbols all right for this hagar is mount sinai in arabia and corresponds to jerusalem which is now and is in bondage with her children today under law you're in bondage if you're under law you are in bondage that's why jesus came to set us free that's why jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe that's why jesus fulfilled the law on your behalf, to set us free. Not so that we can keep learning the Ten Commandments. What good does it do you to memorize the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation? Does that do you any good? Does, does God want you focused on the Ten Commandments? Honestly, you guys know because you go to this church, but if that were the case, I would think that since he sent Jesus, he would want us focused on Jesus. And not the Ten Commandments, because we couldn't keep it. Nobody could keep it. No, you still can't keep it. But when we focus on Jesus, who did it for us, we're free. And people that are under the law hate free people. They have hate. That's why the Pharisees were so angry at Paul, and even Jesus. Peter, all the, they were so angry because they're so religious. They hate free people. That's what religion does. Produces hate. Grace produces love. Even love for those who are hating you. Ooh, that was good. But Jerusalem is free. They're free. They're free, free, free. Which is the mother of us all. She is the grace. Sarah, the mother of us all. She's our mother. Grace. Amen? There's people that we have the same father, but we got two different mothers. Right? Are you your brother's mother's son? That's crazy, right? Doesn't it sound confusing? Just read it for what it is. 
She's the mother of us all. That's who we are. We're under grace. Whoo. All right. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. That's what I'm telling you. People under law, people that are under law all the time, will persecute those who are free under grace. It still happens today. It happened back then, happening today. All right. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Remember that's symbolic. Cast out the law and her son. Cast it out. That's what it's saying. It was symbolic. All right. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. You can't be, you can't have both. You can't have the law and you can't have grace. Grace overcame the law. Whenever you try to bring the law back, that's what Paul was writing to. He's like, man, who has bewitched you and is trying to bring the law back in? I thought we were done with that. But the enemy knows that if he can get the law back in, he puts you back in bondage. Man. Uh, so then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We're children of Sarah. We're children of grace. Are you guys with me? So Abraham is a picture of faith. Remember that? Sarah is a picture of grace. Everybody got me? All right, back to Genesis. Uh, then he said, let, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak, but once more, suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. Now he stopped at ten, right? So the next chapter, chapter 19, Sodom and Gomorrah go down, destroyed from fire, from heaven, fire and brimstone, right? Destroy. Well, after that, you go to chapter 20. <laughs> that just makes sense, right? 18, 19, 20. Chapter 20, I want to show you this story. Remember how bold Abraham was? Let's see how bold he is now. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of the Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Did he lie? Was she his sister? Actually, she was. She was. But is he lying? Is he being deceitful? Yeah. He tried to use a technicality, right? Everybody's related at some point, right? When I met my wife, she related to everybody in Fort White. I'm like, what is going on out here? Right? I'm not, Listen. I ain't make if you're from Fort White, I'm I I'm not, I'm not making fun of it in that sense. Let's read. Whew. Now, Abraham says, uh, save my sister, but God Oh, check this out. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man. Anybody want God to show up and say that? <laughs> Can you imagine that, brother? He's like, what? 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 What would I do? What would I do? You are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. This was written before the law, church. Way before the law. That's how God feels about that, right? So check this out. Uh, but Abimelech had not come near her. And, and, 
and, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous? Now, is he righteous? In this case, he is. Right? This is how gracious the Lord is. Will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even, she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I've done this. Now, he's not an innocent man. He's not even Jewish. But the Lord is graceful. Look, and God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. He saw it. He knew. Uh, For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. He just lied. But how does God see him? A prophet. That's unbelievable. (laughs) So, for me, the moral of this story is, when God calls you righteous, he really means it. Because who should God have showed up to in the dream? Abraham, but he didn't. And what he's saying is, man, listen, when I pronounce you righteous, I mean it. I'm not looking at you where you lied. I'm not looking at you where you almost cost, God, almost cost the seed. You remember the seed? He was protecting the seed. God was protecting the seed because he knew Jesus was coming from that line. And, and, so, and so he's like, man, I don't care that you, that you, uh, that you lied about it. I see you as a prophet. That's how I see you. And not only that, even though you lied, I'm about to use you. Look at this. Uh, you got to give the man back his wife for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you shall live. He's not only going to restore him, even though he lied, he's going to use him to pray over somebody. Now see, Satan will do that the opposite. He'll say, hey man, how can you call yourself a Christian knowing that you just lied? You lied to everybody, and now you, you, you feel the Spirit telling you to pray over a girl who might be sick? You can't do that. That's a lie. That's a lie, because you can do that, because it's not about you. It's about what God does through you. Amen. We got to be a conqueror, church. We can't be like Lot. We got to be like Abraham. We got to go ahead and do it, even though hey, don't look at your sin. Look, look Abraham had a very religious, religious reason for lying. He didn't want to die. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were very afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? He's like, yo, fool. You can see him coming over the hill. Hey, man. What what are you doing? Your God showed up in my dream. He should have showed up in your dream. What have you done? How have I offended you? He's like, what did I ever do to you? That's what he's saying, man. That you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin. You didn't just do it to me. You did it to my kingdom. You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. He's like, bro, (laughs) the, the way you did me? You should not do that to anybody. That's ridiculous. That's a prophet he's talking to. Think about it from his standpoint. He's like, God calls him a prophet, and because he lied, I almost died. But when God calls somebody righteous, he means it. 
Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view? He's like, bro, what were you thinking? What did, what, what did you think was going to happen? You think you could lie? And, and, and then your God's not going to show up in my dream? It seems like Abimelech knew God more than Abraham did. That you have done this thing. And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. He had a very spiritual read. He didn't want to die. Think about that. He gave up his own wife because he didn't want to die. Sound like a good dude? Yet God called him righteous. <laughs> Abraham's from Brooklyn? Now you'll never be able to hear him speak again. You're going to think Abraham has that Brooklyn accent. Your lot. <laughs> Was that Brooklyn or not? Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and I thought you were going to kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is his sister, right? They just have a, uh, a different mom. But indeed, she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So, yeah, on a technicality, you know, how many of you guys ever do that with God? You're like, well, God, I really wasn't lying. Right? It's like half truth. It's a lie. Amen? It's a lie. If it's a, if it ain't, if it, if it's a half truth, it's a whole lie. <laughs> yeah, something like that. All right? And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go. Say of me, he is my brother. He's like, let's just be brothers on the outside. When we go home, you can be my wife. Try that at home. See how far that gets you. <laughs> Woo. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham. And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, see, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. That brother got servants, cattle, silver. Abraham, even though he lied, came out a gainer. Why? Because God saw him as righteous. God saw him as righteous. He wasn't looking at Abraham in it where he lied. He was looking at Abraham as what he pronounced him to be, righteous. And he was blessed even though he lied. Is that true for us today, church? Does your sin stop the blessing from coming? Are you only blessed if you're obedient? Because if that's the case, I'm going to submit to you Exhibit A. <laughs> Jesus would not have come if that was the case. Because you didn't deserve him. You still don't deserve him. But he loves you enough to come down and see you completely forgiven. That's hard to fathom. Not only does he see you completely forgiven, he blesses you. He well, you're only blessed if you obey. That's, that's not true. That's not true. If that were true, <laughs> Jesus would never have come. Because none of us were being obedient. Amen? God sent the best that heaven had to offer for us. Whoo! Oh, uh, then they bore children. Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is good. Thus she was rebuked. Uh, so Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech. And, and, and uh, 
and his female servants. Then they bore children for the Lord had closed up all the rooms of the house of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So he lied. He was restored. He was blessed. Then he prayed. And then God worked a miracle in him. Right. Did Abraham deserve all that? No, he didn't deserve any of it. But when God called him righteous, he meant it. He meant it. Right. Check out this verse right here. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife. Remember, I told you Abraham was faith. Sarah's grace. He's saying restore. Remember, symbolic, right? Now, Isaac and Ishmael are symbolic. What if Abraham and Sarah are also symbolic? You ever thought about that? What if they're also symbolic? What if God is saying restore grace to faith? Restore grace to to faith, because a lot of times people are saying, man, you have faith, but you might have too much grace. You, 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 you got to separate them. You can't separate them. You can't. You can't have faith without grace. They go together. Amen. So restore the man's wife. That's what he was saying. There's a lot of churches that are trying to take that grace away, make little of that grace and try to build people's faith. You can't do it. It's impossible. And then you can't please the Lord because without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. And you know how you please the Lord the most? By accepting Jesus, by lifting up the name of Jesus. That is the definition of grace. Jesus is grace. It's not a, it's not a teaching. It's a person. And they go hand in hand. Woo. So let's try it. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children. Even though you failed in your life, God can still use you. He's got a purpose for each and every one of us. In fact, the more you fail, sometimes those are the guys that God uses the most. Trust me. So what happened? What happened between Exodus 18, when Abraham was bold with God, saying 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, and then two chapters later, he's lying because he's scared. Where was that bold faith then? He had bold faith to talk to God. Why didn't he speak boldly to God in chapter 20 and not be afraid of Abimelech? Something happened. I'm going to submit to you this, right? Then, the, then, then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. Abraham stopped at ten. What if he'd have went to one? What if he'd have went to one? Because who was the righteous one he had in mind? Lot. And, and, and God didn't know. I mean, Abraham didn't know. There was not Facebook back then. You couldn't check in. You can say, I'm safe. Right? He didn't know what happened a lot. Amen? Amen? So in his mind, he's thinking, he's, he's condemning himself for not going down to one. He stopped at ten. If only he'd have went down to one. Have you ever looked back on your life and said, if only I would have done this? And you have these regrets. And then you start condemning yourself for your past. And when you start to condemn yourself for your past... That's when fear comes. That's what happened to Abraham. He was condemning himself because in 19, hell was unleashed. I should say heaven was unleashed on Sodom and Gomorrah. And, 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 and Abraham saw that. 
but he didn't know his, his nephew made it out. So he's condemning himself for not going down to one. I've done that. Have you done that? Can anybody testify to that? Conde looking back, condemning yourself, which led to fear, which led to him lying. Co condemnation, it always produces fear, always. In fact, in, in the story of Adam, uh, he condemned himself. He says, I heard your voice in the garden, and I hid myself because I was naked. Naked is a picture of sin, condemnation. God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you had sin? That's for us today. We've been restored back to the garden. And God is saying to you, who to, when you say, man, I'm just too sinful to pray over somebody. I'm just too sinful to, to receive a free gift that somebody's given me because they don't know who I am. They don't know what I've done. When you say that, God is saying to you, your Father in heaven is saying to you, who told you you were sinful? When I see you righteous, I've called you righteous. I've said you are accepted in the beloved. I said that I adopted you. I said that, 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 that there's nothing that can separate me from you. Who's telling you something different? A lot of times, guys, it's us. Just like Abraham, we're telling ourselves, we, we, we are disqualifying ourselves from what Jesus has qualified us to do. And it's simply because somewhere, when I'm counseling people, I said this Wednesday night to the youth, right, we talked about this. When I'm counseling people, it's peeling back the onion. When somebody is afraid of something, I know that somewhere in their life they've condemned themselves. And so my role is to let them talk through that. And, that, and you're just peeling it back until finally you get to the root of that fear, and it's always condemnation. And that's a biblical thing. Like I just told you, it goes back to Adam. So stop punishing yourself. You are not your Savior. You have a Savior. Stop trying to take his place. He came for you. You couldn't come for him. Amen? So stop beating yourself up. We've got to stop punishing ourselves. And understand that punishment went on Jesus. You can't take it away from him, church. You can't. You don't need to. You shouldn't want to. All we can do is say, thank you. I just run like crazy right there. I needed a beat. Give me a beat. N nobody? Did Janet Jackson come to anybody's mind? It did? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody know Janet Jackson? Grace, you don't know Janet Jackson. Anyway, it's, this is not about Janet Jackson. Stop talking about Janet Jackson. It's about you. Hebrews 11, by faith. Listen to this. That we're almost done. We've got two more. By faith, Sarah herself. This is the hall of faith. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. We read that, right? Look, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Is that what happened? Did she judge him faithful? Nope. You know what happened? She laughed. She laughed at God, and then she lied. You remember we pointed that out. She said, I didn't laugh. God said, indeed, you did laugh. But in the hall of faith, God doesn't point that out. He doesn't point out where Sarah failed. He only points out what he saw her to be, full of faith. She's in the hall of faith. She lied. That's another example, church, that God is not looking at your sin, man. When he called you righteous, he meant it. 
He meant it. And last, and a voice spoke to him again the second time to Peter. What God has cleansed, you must not call unclean. That's how it reads in the Greek. You, what God has called clean, don't call it unclean. When you call yourself unclean, when you refer to yourself as a sinner, which is unclean, you are doing the exact opposite of what God has called you. Do not look at your sin. Do not look where you fail. Only look at your Savior. Only call yourself what he sees you to be. He says that in Christ, you are the righteousness of God. So we got to start seeing ourselves as he sees us, not as we see us. Because in this natural world, we have a tendency to see sin. But we are seated in the heavenly places. We speak heavenly things, which means we speak what we don't see yet, but we know it's there. you got to start speaking to your friends that way, your spouse that way, your family that way, and most importantly, you got to speak to yourself that way. you got to see yourself as God sees you and reject everything else. Only speak the truth that God has called you, that God is for you, that God loves you. Amen? Amen. And you, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's made alive together with him, having forgiven you all. all. Say all. 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 All your sins. Past, present, future, all your sins are forgiven, right? Uh, having, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. That's, see, this is where Abraham, this is where Abraham was victorious. This is where Abraham was more than a conqueror. Because he didn't focus on the fact that he lied. He saw God use him in a mighty way, and he got blessed for it. Amen. He was blessed. He prayed over somebody. They got healed. God used him. His faith grew. But when you fo- if he had focused on the fact that he lied, he didn't deserve it. Oh, I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve any of that stuff. Man, you are defeated when, when in actuality you're not. The enemy has been disarmed. We are trying to rearm him. You got to stop rearming him in your mind. He's defeated. He has nothing to do anymore. All he can do is get up in here and lie to you. Remind you of your past. Remind you where you fail. You remind him of his future. He's defeated. He's done. Amen? That should give you power, church. That should give you power to overcome. He made you an overcomer. you got to start taking those thoughts captive. When you feel like you ain't worth it, when you feel like you don't deserve it, you nip those thoughts in the bud. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Not to obey Jesus, but to the obedience of Jesus. Where was he obedient? On the cross when he was dying for your sin to make you righteous. Stand up and give him a praise. Give him a praise like you are righteous. Like right now, you know you're righteous. Beyond measure, you are righteous. And there's nothing you can do to lose that righteousness. Nothing. You can't. If you sin, you don't lose your righteousness. Because where sin increased, grace super increases. 
Don't anybody try to put you back there. Don't anybody try to put you in a spot where you might have some sin you didn't confess. Therefore, you're not forgiven of that sin. God doesn't want you living that way. He wants you living. No, it, he says, surely. He wants you standing on solid ground, knowing without a shadow of a doubt that he's not looking at your sin, that you're completely forgiven forever. That gives you the power to walk by faith. Don't let people try to take that away from you. No one can take away what Christ has done for you. Amen. No one. You walk boldly, church. You walk boldly knowing that you're completely forgiven, that your sin doesn't stop him from blessing you. That's a lie. You live your best life. And you tell them I quoted Joel Osteen. And if they say, oh, he's like that, say, you dang right. Anyway, anyway, Pastor Dwayne's going to come up and calm everybody down. <laughs> amen, amen. Come on, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to come into this place this morning, God, and to receive from you. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we thank you for the life that we receive from your word, Father. Thank you for the preaching and the teaching of your word, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for reminding us, God, that we are forgiven. Help us, God, to forgive ourselves, God. Father, we thank you for the faith, God, that you've given us. It's with faith, God, that we please you. Your word says without it, it is impossible to please you. But, God, we thank you for giving us a measure of faith, God, that we can put in you, that we can put our hope and our, our confidence in you, Father. So we bless you and we thank you, Lord, for equipping us with faith to believe. Thank you for allowing us to uh, to be forgiven through the sacrifice of your own son, God. We thank you for allowing us to go out of this place, Father, free, redeemed, made whole and made well, Father, equipped to do the work of the ministry, God, that you've called us to do. Thank you for your purpose and your plan for our life and for all of your promises. We bless you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are dismissed.